Psalm 119. And no, don't get nervous. We're not going to go through the entire chapter. Am I not on? Okay. Longest. Uh... We good? On? Yes? No? Okay. Good. Yeah, don't get nervous. So I know Psalm 119 is a, is a long chapter. We're not going to go through it all. Only half of it to this morning. So, no. We're just going to hit some verses. But I want you to look in Psalm 119. We're going to look at a bunch of different verses. Um, I, had, I had plans this morning to preach on a, uh, actually from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And the Lord redirected me. Uh, I was planning on, on preaching in 2 Corinthians 9 about, about giving and so forth. And the Lord made it clear that uh, our, our theme this year for the, for the missions conference is give me thine heart. That's the theme. Why? Well, because when they first gave themselves to the Lord, it says in 2 Corinthians 8, then God had all that he needed and all that he wanted and, and could, could use them in a great way, and he did use them in a great way. Um, what God is looking for is for our heart. And there is a phrase that shows up, or actually two words, that show up over and over and over and over and over again in Psalm 119. And we're going to look at, at all the times that it shows up, and then we're going to go back and kind of examine how do you get there? How do you, how do you get your heart to be the, this kind of a heart? Uh, let's all stand together, if you would. And in Psalm 119, look with me, beginning in verse 2. It says, uh, Blessed are they that keep his testimonies, and that seek him with the whole heart. So he starts out right at the very beginning of the psalm and says, this is the goal. The goal is to serve God with a whole heart. Verse 10, with my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Drop down to verse 34. Give me understanding and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Down to verse 58. Uh, I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. Then down to verse uh, 69, it says, The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. And then finally, uh, over in verse uh, 145, he says, I cried with my whole heart. Hear me, O Lord, I will keep thy statutes. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would calm our hearts and focus our hearts on your word this morning so that we can see the importance of having a heart that has a desire to serve God, not just, not just most of our heart, not part of our heart, but all of our heart, our whole heart. Uh, we need to be wholeheartedly dedicated to our God. And if we are, then you can do with us whatever you see fit. And the, those things that you would desire to accomplish through us will not only get done, but they'll be, get done the right way with the right motive because we've got the right heart. Lord, our desire this morning is to understand how important it is 
to not just do what you tell us to do, but have the right desires and have the right motives behind them. Bless this message. And Lord, the word of God, as it goes out, may it pierce our hearts and may our hearts be open to you. And Lord, may you speak to our hearts. We have to have prepared hearts in order for us to get out of the missions conference. What I believe that you'd have us to get and have us to do. So Lord, this morning, please begin to prepare our hearts that we would please and honor you in all things. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Preaching this morning about, about uh, serving God with our whole heart. And Psalm 119 deals with the Word of God and, and our obedience to it. And it's, it's, it, it's, you know, obedience is spoken of all the way through Scripture. You go to 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 22. It says, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. Um, God wants us to obey, but he not only wants us to obey, but he wants us to obey properly because obedience just all by itself is not enough. Uh, the Bible tells us in the Old Testament about a king uh, by the name of uh, Amaziah, and it says this of King Amaziah. He says, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. Uh, that's why the, the scripture says over in the book of Proverbs says, keep thy heart with all diligence. Why? For out of, that, for out of it proceed the issues of life. Uh, and you know, the things that are the most important come uh, because we, we either have a, a right heart or they don't come because our heart is not right with God. God wants obedience, but he also wants obedience with the right heart. And our relationship with God is the key. It's the key. One, one of the things that I have really, over the years, have, have uh, uh, tried hard to veer away from uh, at, at a missions conference is to make it, and because I've been in missions conferences like this, where it becomes all about money and all about giving. And it is a lot about that. I understand that. Obviously, if the money's not there, uh, we can't support missions and the missionaries can't get their job done. I understand all that. But, but uh, uh, when, boy, when I, years ago when I got a hold of that verse in 2 Corinthians 8, it says they did more than we expected, essentially. That's not, that's not a quote, but that's a paraphrase. He says that they gave themselves, they first gave themselves unto the Lord. Uh, and that's what is so important, and that, that entails uh, us giving ourselves to God with our whole heart. And, and uh, our relationship with God is key, and, and that determines our, our motives. Not just what we do, but why we do what we do. So I want to take a look at some things that, uh, that the, the psalmist said that he was going to do, and all of these things that he was going to do are right things, they're good things. But what I really want you to notice is what is the motive behind it. And I believe this all ties in with over and over and over again in that psalm. He says, I want to serve you, but I want to serve you with a whole heart, with a whole heart, with a whole heart, with a whole heart. He's saying, listen, I don't want this thing to be half-hearted. 
I want my service for you to be 100% with my heart in it and loving you and wanting to please you. So the first thing I want you to look at, look down at verse 11. Verse 11. He said, Thy word have I hidden mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Now, the, the, the obedience, the action there is hiding his word in our heart. But notice what the motive is. The motive is, is not just so I can be puffed up with knowledge, not just so I can do good on a Bible quiz, uh, not so I can show myself to be somebody and that I really know the Bible better than somebody else knows it, but it's, it's, it's so that I might not sin against thee. His, his whole, his whole uh, thrust on the thing is if I, if I hide your word in my heart, I'll not sin against, against you. And uh, uh, the way that the, the, the hiding God's word works, you know, so many times we read that and we say, okay, what that means is memorize God's word. Can I tell you something? You can memorize a whole bunch of scriptures and hide nothing in your heart. Now, you're looking at me like, what? Huh? No, you can, you can, you can know a whole bunch of scriptures by heart and hide none of them in your heart. What does it mean to hide them in your heart? It means to make them a part of who you are. You know how you do that? You do that through two things. You do that through meditation, thinking on them, spending time on them. I love it when any of you folks come up to me and say, you know, I was, I was thinking about this verse of Scripture. And that's all you have to say, and you got my ears, because I know something good's going to come out, okay? Uh, you know, and even if, it's, even if it's off the wall, okay, you are thinking on the right thing. You are thinking on the Scripture. And that's what meditation is all about. But again, it's not just so you can mull it over, but so you can mull it over so you can do something with it and make it literally a part of your life. Uh, why, why do you do that? Well, you do that uh, so that you'll not sin against him. Um, you know, what is it that, that, can, that can help us not sin? And you know, I, I, I'm all for... Uh, you know, avoiding temptation. I'm all for. I'm all for uh, 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 doing the right things in your life and looking at the right things and, and thinking on the right things. But the thing that will keep you from sin is this book right here. But not just packing it. Okay, packing it isn't enough. You got to not only pack it, you got to hide it. And it's got to be hidden in your heart. It's got to become a part of who you are. And, uh, uh, you, you know, have you, have you ever had this happen? In fact, uh, you ever had a time when you, you knew a, a scripture, whether it was word for word or you just knew the gist of it or you just read it that morning? And something happens in your life. And all of a sudden, that verse comes winging across. You know why it's coming winging across? Because you spent some time thinking about it. You spent some time reading it. You spent some time memorizing it. Or you spent some time meditating, or all three. But it, it became a part of you, and God could use it. I heard someone say this years ago, and it really helped me tremendously. 
Bible over in Ephesians 6 talks about the word of the Lord, which is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It says it is the spirit's sword. But you know what? If you don't hide it in your heart, the spirit doesn't have a sword. Now, please understand what I mean by that. I realize it's God's book and all that kind of stuff. Oh, Siri, be quiet, will you? For crying out loud. Here, Deborah, take her and shut her off, will you? No, I mean, she's... Just take it. Just hide it underneath your blanket or something. <laughs> See, this is why I'm not real tough on you guys, because every now and then it happens to me. Keeps me humble, okay? Keeps me humble. <laughs> you got to be careful what you say. You say anything, it sounds like, hey, Siri, and she starts piping up. Even when she's in my pocket, buried, I thought. Uh, anyway, uh, you, uh, you, you uh, uh, have, have, have the Spirit has the Word of God if you've spent time in it, if you have hidden it in your heart. If it's not there, I mean, just because you pack it, that doesn't mean he can use it because you've got to spend time in it, okay? It's just that simple. Um, this is probably, probably now a year ago. We've been, since, uh, since COVID hit, we've been, we've been uh, uh, saying verses in the beginning of the service like what we do. And the Lord led me to do that. And after, after we did it, I was only going to do it just for uh, God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And uh, it was just simply for that. And God said, okay, keep going. <laughs> do another one and do another one and do another one. So we did. And uh, one, of, one of our ladies came up to me. And I don't remember exactly when it was, but it was, it was uh, right around a year ago. And said, you know... I had something happen after church where someone said something to me and I almost gave them the wrong response. But God brought that verse that we had been going over and over and over again in the beginning of the service, brought it to my attention and brought it to my mind. And so I just kind of stepped step back and said, okay, Lord, and zip the lip. What is that? That's hiding God's word in your heart. And it's so that you will not sin against him. Your motive has to be right. Here's another one. Go to uh, verses 18 and 73. Verse 18. Verse 18 says, Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things, out of thy law. And then you go down to uh, verse, verse 73, and it says, um, Thy hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. So that what he's talking about, what we need to do there is to, he's saying, Lord, allow me to see and allow me to understand the things that are in the word of God. But again, what's your motive for wanting to see things? What's your motive for wanting to know things? And his motive is that I, I can know what to do. What this is, is this is a soldier standing at attention saying, I'm waiting for the orders. But when the orders come, I want them to be clear so that I can understand what to do. Uh, there's a desire there 
to want to respond to it. And again, the, the, the Bible is not given to us just so we can read it, just so we can memorize it, just so we can meditate on it, just so we can know it, but so we can do something with it, so we can act upon it. And the psalmist's desire was that he would know what to do so that he could, he could do it. Um, Psalm 119, look in verse uh, 125. It says, I am thy servant, give me understanding, that I may know thy testimonies. He's saying there, he's saying, I want understanding, but I don't want understanding just so I can have understanding and just so I can figure things out and just so it's not a puzzlement to me. But he says, I want understanding so that I can be a better servant. You know, is that a desire that you have? That ought to be a desire that we have. Uh, one, of, one of the things that always stands out to me is uh, when I meet someone who's got a servant's heart. And by the way, you can always tell when somebody has one. You can always tell when somebody doesn't have one. Uh, when a person has a servant's heart, it's not about them. It's about, it's about God first, and it's about others second. And, and we're supposed to obey with that kind of a heart. Keep your finger here and go with me to Luke 17. Matthew, Mark, Luke, third gospel. Luke 17. And in Luke 17, look in verses 7 through 10. But which of you having a servant, he's talking about servants here, uh, which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say unto him by and by, when he has come from the field, go and sit down to meet? And will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me, till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank, doth he thank that servant, because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. So likewise, when ye shall have done all these thing, those things which are commanded you, Say, we are unprofitable servants, we have done that which was our duty to do. Um, when a person has a servant's heart, they have no, they have no expectations. They, they don't expect nor do they require a thank you. Uh, they don't require recognition of any kind. They just simply have a desire to be a blessing and to do their job, and to do what they need to do. An uh, unprofitable servant merely does what they're told, and nothing more. A profitable servant goes above and beyond. And, it, and I believe the reason why that is, is because if, if all you do is what you're told, okay, well, you know what you're focusing on? You're focusing on the orders, you're fo focusing on the instructions. You're not focusing on the one you're serving. If you're focusing on the one you're serving, you see needs pop up as you're doing what you're told to do. And they may be needs that they don't even see, but you can step in there and you can be a blessing. Well, if we, if we are serving God, we don't just do the, 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 uh, uh, the, every jot and tittle of what is told us in the book, but we look for other ways to please him because that's the bottom line. You're not just, you're not just serving God to be obedient. 
You're serving God because you love him. You know, we just sang the song, more love to thee, O Christ. I love that song. I love that song. More love to thee, O Christ, more love to thee. Uh, and, and it talks about, in verse 3 in particular, about send thy messengers, send grief and pain, uh, or sweet are thy messengers, sweet their refrain. Why is that? Because the individual who wrote that song loved God with a whole heart. Not half-heartedly, not, not, you know, not lackadaisically, but, but really put his whole heart into it and wanted to go above and beyond what was asked of him. Um, the, the whole desire of the psalmist here is, is having an understanding so that I can be told what to do so that I can please the master. That was the, and, and as you go through Psalm 110, you pick that out just so, so clearly. The desire of the, the, the writer of that psalm is that they want to please the Lord. Look with me down in verse 71. Here's another one. Verse 71. Verse 71 says, uh, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. So the action that is described there is going through afflictions and calling them good. Now, <laughs> truth of the matter is you can do that and you can say, okay, they're good. I know they're good because God said they're good. But I sure, sure don't see it. Okay, you can have the wrong heart in the whole thing. And if your, but if your motive is, if I go through that stuff, I'm going to learn things that I couldn't learn any other way. I'm going to, I'm going to learn how to depend upon God in a way that I, I've, I've never learned before. Uh, I'm going to... Uh, uh, I'm going to have things taught to me that if I, had I not gone through that difficulty, if I had not gone through that heartbreak, if I had not gone through that loss, I wouldn't have learned it. And I want to learn all that I can. You know, uh, I, I think more than anything, uh, when you go through problems and you go through trials and you go through difficulties and afflictions come our way, what God is doing is he's crowding us, putting all that stuff in our lives so that we can be crowded to him. You know, just pushed over closer and closer. He wants to, us to get to know him. And again, um, and you've heard me say this before, but it is so true. In the, the times of the deepest trouble in my life is when I've gotten the closest to God. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. It's good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. There's some things you're just not going to learn any other way. And Paul's desire, uh, the Apostle Paul's desire was to, to, to learn so that he could, he could please God. Uh, Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 3 Speaking of Jesus, says, though he, were yet a, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things he suffered. That doesn't mean that, that uh, uh, there was things that Jesus had to know because he didn't know anything about it. It's talking about going through the experience. And he, he could say experientially uh, that he knew 
the the what what uh, uh, the what the uh, uh, desires and the uh, weaknesses not not weaknesses so much because he didn't have them but the the temptations of our heart are and what we go through when we go through it and and listen folks uh, if that if God says that about the the Son of God meaning again the experiential stuff. Uh, how much more is that true for us all the way around? Uh, there's things that you're going to learn. There's things that you're going. There's ways that you're going to get closer to God through problems and through difficulty, and and through afflictions that you won't go through any other way. Paul Paul had a desire to to learn God's statutes, and he, you know, I, I say he allowed him. He more than allowed him. He submitted to. Uh, God uh, giving him tribulations and giving him, you know, infirmities. And it said he gloried in his infirmities. <laughs> now, glory just doesn't mean sitting there going, whoopee. <laughs> okay? I've done that a few times. I said, oh, this is great. Whoopee. Uh, my attitude and my heart isn't in it. But he's saying, listen, I glory in my, my afflictions. I glory in my tribulations and infirmities, and I take pleasure in those things. He said this. He said he took pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities, in persecutions and in distresses. Why? Because he wanted to learn how to please God better. Because he wanted to uh, not be, in 2 Corinthians 12, he said, he said, God gave me a thorn on the flesh. I know why. So I'd not be exalted above measure because of the abundance of the revelations. And he said, that's the, boy, that's a good thing. Well, I'm glad God did that. Uh, his desire was to learn more about God, was to learn his statutes and be able to please him. Then another one, uh, look down at verse 77 of Psalm 119. Psalm 119, 77 says, uh, Let thy tender mercies come unto me that I may live. For thy law is my delight. Now, what he's saying is, he's saying he's, he's, he's uh, uh, asking God for mercy. And he's saying, listen, Lord, I need your mercy. He's going through trouble. He's going through, through, through difficulty. And he's asking God for mercy. Why? Uh, he's asking God for mercy because he desires life. He knows the more you experience mercy, the better you live. And he said, he said that my, the law is my delight. He, want, he wanted to please God. He wanted to honor him. He wasn't desiring mercy to escape the consequences of sin. That wasn't the point at all. Uh, he wanted that mercy because he knew when you have mercy, you live fuller in life. And uh, he wanted to, to, to live life abundantly. Uh, you know, mercy, we, we need to ask God for mercy so that uh, we can continue on and do right. It's not ask for mercy so you can get away with sin. That's not the idea at all. Um, take your Bibles and turn with me to Lamentations, right after the book of Jeremiah. Lamentations 3. Lamentations 3. 
And I want you to look in verses 21 through 24. Lamentations 3, 21 through 24. Verse 21 says, This I call to my mind, therefore have I hope, as of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They, meaning the mercies, and the compassions are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. Uh, you, know, you increase in hope when you, when you ask God for mercy. You increase in desire. Uh, you increase in your knowledge of God. All those things happen. It's not You don't ask for mercy just so that uh, you don't have to face all the consequences of your sin. You ask for mercy so that you can, you can grow in grace. You ask for mercy so you can have a life that's more abundant. When Jesus forgave and showed mercy to the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery, and they were about to stone her, and he simply said to the crowd, he says, he that is without sin cast the first stone, and one by one they just kind of filed out. When, when he addressed her finally, this is what he said. He said, go and sin no more. Now, what had he done? He'd just given her mercy. He didn't give her mercy so she could go out and continue or do something else. Yeah, he gave her mercy so that she could go out and do right. And God gives us mercy and we ought to be asking. By the way, uh, two things you ought to be asking God for every single day. You ought to ask God for wisdom, and you ought to ask God for mercy. Uh, and, and, and understand that God will give you those things. I mean, the truth of the matter is, God has been so merciful to us. It says his mercies are, are new and fresh every single morning. You look, you look at your life, and you can see where the mercies of God are. Um, my wife, uh, excuse me, I was coming back this last week from, uh, I went to a legal seminar. And uh, I uh, was traveling uh, 90 from Ashtabula, Ohio, back home. I, was t I happened to be talking at that time on, to uh, Brother Don Whitaker on the, on the telephone. By the way, pray for his wife. She's going, going to have surgery on the 22nd, correct? 22nd of this month. She's going to be having the surgery in Cleveland. Just be in prayer for her. But I was talking to him on the phone, and I got behind a, tr a truck. And he was kind of going slow, and so I decided to pull out, and I pulled out. And I started to go alongside of him, and I noticed his turn signal came on. Well, I thought, well, he's going to let me pass. And I started to pass, and he started to move. And I don't know if I was in his blind sight, uh, side. I don't know if, if he just didn't like the fact that I was passing. I have no idea. But... I thought, uh-oh, this is it. And I mean, he was moving, and he was moving fast. Uh, I don't know, I don't know if, uh, if an angel came down and, and scooted the car or what happened, but I got past him. And uh, when I got to the other side, after I hung up with Brother, Brother Whitaker, I, I said, Lord, thank you for, your, for being merciful to me. Uh, we always, whenever we, we travel somewhere, we always start out by praying and asking God for mercy on the, uh, on the road. Well, there was a case where he showed mercy. 
Uh, you know, the truth of the matter is, you got that going on in your life. I got that going on in my life. Maybe not to that extent, but in other ways, over and over and over and over again all day long. Uh, we ask God for mercy, and he gives it to us. We need to recognize it so that we can have an abundant life. Uh, another thing, look down in verse 80. Down in verse 80. It says, let my heart be sound in thy statutes that I, may, that I be not ashamed. He says, let my heart be sound in thy statutes. The, the, the thing that he says that he wants to do is have soundness of heart. In other words, uh, believe the right things, have the right doctrine, and that's so very, very important. But why? What's the motivation behind it? Just so you can say you're straight as a string, and just because you, 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 you can, you can uh, uh, say that you're confident that what you say is right and what you believe is right? No, it goes a lot deeper than that. It's so you cannot be ashamed before God. And he said, I don't want to be ashamed before you. Uh, you know, we ought, to, we ought to be concerned about right doctrine. Right doctrine is so important. The Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Um, we need to have the, the right doctrine so that we can have the right living so that we can please God. And again, the bottom line is uh, we ought to have a desire to want to please him and then not be ashamed before him. Uh, why? Because of ourselves? No, because he's done so much for us. Our God has been so good to us. Uh, you know, I mean, he has. And, and we ought to never lose sight of that. And that ought to be the thing that ought to motivate us to get in the book. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It does not say approved unto the preacher. It doesn't say approved unto your colleagues. It says approved unto God. In other words, the one we're trying to get approval from, the one we're trying to please, again, is the Lord. Is it good to study the book? Yes. Is it important to be doctrinally right? Yes, because it affects your living. Uh, you have wrong doctrine, it's going to affect the living somewhere down the line. But again, it's not just so you can say, I'm living right, but, but because I want to please the Lord. And, and I don't want to be ashamed in his presence. And then the last thing, look down in verse 106. It says, I have sworn and I will perform it, that I will keep thy righteous judgments. What he's talking about here is he's talking about making a commitment to God. He says, I've sworn. Uh, he's saying, I said I was going to do some things, and I made some commitments to obey you. And what's the, what's the motivation? Well, the motivation is in order to do right. In other words, you want to be on God's side. You don't want to be on the wrong side. You want to be on God's side. And, and again, you want to, to do right. You want to be right. And, and again, it's not for the kickbacks. You know, uh, you, Sometimes we get this, this mindset. We say, well, if, if, if I do this, this, and this, then God will do this for me, and God will do that for me. And, and I realize that, God, that there is a cause and effect in the Christian life. I know that. But is that the bottom line why you do it? You know, uh, over in uh, Philippians, uh, 
Paul in the fourth chapter is talking about the fact that the Philippians had taken care of him and his needs when nobody else did. Sent mission support, okay, uh, to him when nobody else was sending support. And uh, then he says, after he said that, basically, he says, you took care of me. God, I really believe God will take care of you. And that's a biblical principle. Uh, he says, he says uh, uh, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But let me ask you something. What if he doesn't? And I, I'm not saying that to doubt God. Don't get me wrong. But what if he doesn't? What if, there's, what if there is no cause and effect? You still going to do right? You still going to want to please God? You're still going to give sacrificially? If, if nothing else, you know, so, so oftentimes we think that all of the, if you pardon the expression, kickback, uh, all of the, the, the uh, uh, perks come in this life. They don't. They definitely don't. Uh, if all you got was when you see Christ face to face, whether it be by death or by rapture, if he were to look at you and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And you think about the Apostle Paul. He went through shipwreck. He went through beatings. He went through dungeons. Um, he went through a bunch of stuff. Uh, so his life down here physically was not all that great. But I really believe with all my heart that one day when, when God brought him home, he brought him in front of him and said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know what? That was, that was, that was what Paul wanted more than anything else. What do you want more than anything else? What do I want more than anything else? Is it a desire to please him? Simon said over and over again, he said, with my whole heart the best that I know how I'm going to serve you let's bow our heads for prayer father we pray that you grab a hold of our hearts this morning and it's easy to become lackadaisical it's uh it's easy lord to become apathetic it's uh, easy even to fall into some envy and covetousness and bitterness and all that kind of stuff when we're not serving you with a whole heart. I pray you get a hold of our hearts this morning. Maybe there's a specific area that you're dealing with someone about, or maybe it's just a general attitude. But God, our, our hearts ought to be such that we have a desire to wholeheartedly serve you. Lord, there may be someone here this morning who does not know Christ as, as Savior. Uh, Lord, if, if they were to die today, they go straight to hell. Uh, it's totally unnecessary because, Lord, you died for their sins. You died for all of our sins. They just need to simply believe on you, repent of their sin, believe on you and trust you and you alone as Savior. And I pray that that would happen today, but Lord, that this, this message really was primarily to save people. God, what, what could we do 
if we just began to serve you starting today, when we walk out of these doors, we determined to serve you with a whole heart. God, please get a hold of our hearts this morning that uh, we might give you honor and glory and put a smile on your face. Bless this invitation. Speak to our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.